0: From the website girlfriendit.com and the movement girlfriendit, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Dernigan on toginet.com.
1: Have you had a life situation that
2: rocked your world and turned it upside down? Well, I can think of a couple that come to mind. And you know what? It's interesting because when they do happen, and when I I say when, it's not if. if. It's Mm -hmm. not, well, if, you know, something you know, kind of rocks my world, it's when that happens, Mm -hmm. you know, you're faced with choices and you're like, okay, am I going to allow this, to make me better. You know, you've heard that, but it's like, is this going to make me better or is this going to really make me better? And it all, you know, you, we can choose how we walk through it, even though it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And we both have had those times, you know, of loss or just things get interrupted and you're like, okay, who am I now? You can and, turn into Eeyore. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me. I yeah. Can't believe it happened. But I oh. think, I think you look at yourself and go, who am I now? Mm-hmm. You know, that since this happened. And so anyway, we're going to have a great discussion on our show today. Absolutely. We have, um, We have uh, Carolyn Moore, who is a founding, um, founded the the Modern Widows Club. She's going to be coming soon. And then we have a ministry partner from Bloom, Melissa Hoover, going to be talking about all things health and fitness and nutrition and adoption. So we got we got a great show for you. So before we get too much farther into our show, we want to remind you that you're listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at GirlfriendIt.com. And don't forget to Follow
1: us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, you just mentioned that we have Carolyn Moore, the founder of Modern Widows Club. And Carolyn is a mom, an award-winning interior designer, and the founding director of Modern Widows Club, which is a nonprofit leading a movement to enable and empower widows to become extraordinary mentors. So I guess that that helps with getting out of that Eeyore phase. (laughs) She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Houston Chronicles, and seen on NPR, PBS, HuffPost Live, TLC, as well as the Oprah Winfrey Show, as a model of ordinary courage, compassion, and visionary action. And don't forget to, and just make note of it, you can join her in the One Million Widows campaign. To connect widows all over the world, a one-on-one widow mentor, she is changing the face of widowhood. And MWC empowers women in widowhood to lean into life and make a positive difference in the world. So welcome, Carolyn. How are you today?
3: (laughs) Hi, ladies. It's great. I'm in New York City, actually on a rooftop, uh, sequestered all by myself, ready to talk to you guys today. Well, you have, it sounds like you have a really
2: nice view today as you're doing radio with
3: us. <laughs> I do, I do. And luckily there's no one else up here, so it's pretty private.
1: It, it's always, it's always awesome to see it from the top. That's for sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I always live an optimistic life.
1: Absolutely. So we just have to ask you, Carolyn, jumping right in, besides the fact that you're in uh, this incredible city, looking at the world, obviously, from a beautiful perspective, how did you get to that place in life where you can be on top of the world and looking at the world from that perspective?
3: Oh, you know, well, it's, um, it's been 16 years. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's really... Um, becoming widowed was obviously something that no woman chooses, uh, but what they do choose is uh, what to do next. And so, my whole last sixteen years has been choosing life, choosing uh, to be curious, uh, choosing to uh, lean into what creates, uh, you know, strength and wisdom, and and eventually um, living extraordinary in a completely. Different way than what you thought it was for, uh, this life experience. I was pretty young, so I was 36 at the time, you know, with uh, on top of the world. I had, I designed and built a home. My husband was an architect. I had a 50 person interior design firm. I had a uh, two and four year old daughters at home. We were kind of at that stage where we had attained everything that we had worked for and up to at that point. But death has a way of, um, um, ending all, all of those dreams. And so what do you do? You know, for me, it was what now, you know, I I spent a lot of time asking why me. Um, and I, it took me years to realize I will never answer that question. Mm -hmm. And so I need to move on to what now. And so that's, that's the really how I got to today. It's what now every day I wake up.
2: Well, you have an infectious and contagious attitude, um, on that, which is so, it's so encouraging to hear. And, and you know, we we learn best through stories, and just as women connect and hear each other, and to be able to say, "Okay, you give me, you give me the strength to be able to, to put one foot in front of the other." When when this happened, and it totally interrupted your life, and like you said, did interrupted dreams that you had, and just kind of the path that you were on, and you have two small small children was. was was your, the loss of your husband, was it unexpected or it just, did it happen and all of a sudden your world is totally turned upside down?
3: Right. It, I mean, we were actually out on Valentine's Day and someone had hit our car uh, about a mile away from home in um, downtown Orlando, Florida. And so it was completely unexpected. He had forgotten to put his seatbelt on. He was thrown from the vehicle and suffered severe head trauma and I was the first responder. So I had, you know, it was a very bloody experience. It was very traumatizing with the sirens. And I had post-traumatic um, stress syndrome um, for years after that. I, when I would hear a siren, I would go into a panic attack. And so it was those were the immediate things that I had to um, really uh, not only endure, but also figure out a way to manage because I had two little girls <laughs> in a business to run. And so it was. Uh, overwhelming to say the least. My health was sort of the the last thing that I cared or really could recognize uh, because there were so many other uh, areas that needed my attention. But as time went on, uh, the focus became more on myself. And then the stronger I became, the more I was actually able to um, turn around and help others.
1: So, how old? I know we always want to, you know, focus on the the hope of, you know, going through this situation. Like, where did you? Uh, how did you heal, et cetera? But um, how old were your kids? And then I'm assuming after this car accident that uh, he, your husband didn't
3: make it. But I, I think you said two and four, right? Yes, they were. They were two and two to four. They were both two and four um, years old, and um, you know, it's just really heartbreaking to tell the story because, of course, when you have to tell your children that they're not ever going to see your dad and they don't really understand what death is, then you don't really know what to, um, you know, I've never done this before. So mm-hmm. the first thing you do is you try to find other people who actually understand the experience, and that was part of my difficulty is I could not find uh, mm-hmm. role models and I couldn't I couldn't find a community where I could tap into. Mm-hmm
1: hmm so so how did you um, explain this to your girls i I just feel like some of that healing of you know when uh, it, our listeners out there that are dealing with grief or they how to explain things to their kids, you really are just in that numb raw state where you're so in your own grief that
3: you can't even figure out how to explain it to your children right well I was really I was really fortunate because I actually had. A, uh, a grief center, uh, which there's only about 250 of them around the U.S., um, called New Hope for Kids. And so for one year, I was actually able to go there, uh, for grief, for peer-to-peer grief, uh, counseling. And then also simultaneously for my daughters to go and just understand what loss and death and, you know, just words that are not normal for, for children to understand. Um, or even kind of begin to grasp the permanency of it. So I was really fortunate. But, you know, there's a lot of there's hospice and vitus, and, and there's a lot of great resources for bereavement and grief, and that's where I really hope a lot of um, kind of our community will plug into. What there wasn't is when you leave those programs. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people think, well, okay, you know, She's done her two years, and now she should be back to good again. And it just doesn't work that way because when when something changes your life just dramatically, you don't just integrate back into society. You're a completely different person, and and what's really happening is you're completely rebuilding a whole new life uh, based on a foundation of what some of what you had before, but now it's going to be mixed with your future. Um, as a, maybe a solo parent or just an individual woman, um, and and everything in your life impact is impacted. Your job is impacted, uh, your friendships are impacted, your family, uh, your extended family, even your neighborhood. Uh, you know how your neighbors relate to you. You are not the same person, although to the outside world you look that way. So it's really important to find a community. And and what I've learned since then is, you know. I learned how to be resilient the hard way, but what I what I didn't know was having role models and how important role models and communities were. And so I was missing something. I I really did everything that I could and you you read all the science and expertise behind it, but the two things I was missing is what I ended up creating with Modern Widows Club.
2: You know, and you, you bring up so many great points and, and a lot of times it's so easy to when you have something when you're so devastated when you you're kind of like paralyzed you don't even know who you are anymore and you kind of lost like you're saying that sense of identity because i was you know a significant role in my life has just been removed and it wasn't something i ever wanted and it just happens so and then to happen that um traumatically is a whole nother you know story but it is so easy for us to go in the isolation mode and just kind of like kind of suffer in silence kind of speak because we don't know what to do and we kind of just we withdraw and we draw from people and what you're saying is we need to be in community we need to allow ourselves to bring other people into our story to be a part of our healing process and find those role models i love how you said you know the two things i realized i needed that's what you started to create and i think you know god calls us to do those and it you know it's like okay when you've experienced this now how can you give back how can you be that to somebody else, and which I, I'm sure is part of been such a huge part of your healing when you're focusing on. We're gonna have to take a quick break and when we are going to come back. I want to talk a couple things too. It's like you made a good point about, um, uh, y- uh, you know, it's like I had to kind of put my own grief on the, on the side to deal with other people. So there's a whole nother conversation. We'll <laughs> take a quick break. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. Thanks.
0: For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
4: It's a fact that working out for 30 minutes a day will improve your health and make you feel oh so good. But if you are on a quest to lose weight, you should be looking to exercise aerobically for 45 minutes to an hour. I know that may sound daunting, but it's really not. You don't have to kill yourself to keep your heart rate up for 45 to 60 minutes. I know people who put their iPod on and walk for an hour a day. Consequently, they are losing weight, increasing their energy, and feeling great. On the other hand, if you're like me and want to maintain your present weight, then 30 minutes of cardio a day is perfect. The benefits of cardio exercise are fast. And even if you're not trying to lose weight, it is necessary and vital to your health. So schedule in your cardio exercise six to seven days a week and watch your health, energy, and outlook on life improve. I'm Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we are chatting with Carolyn Moore, the founder of Modern Widows Club, as she stands on the top of a... Uh A building there in New York City, so we can all just live vicariously through her. But she's been featured (laughs) in the Wall Street Journal, Houston Chronicle, and seen on NPR, PBS, HuffPost Live, TLC, as well as the Oprah Winfrey Show. And she empowers women in widowhood to lean into life and make a positive difference in the world. And Carolyn, we want to talk a little bit more about how we were talking about uh, role models in your community, how you really struggle and finding those role models as you were going through, uh, just the grief. And so you saw a void there that you wanted to fill. And I I have to tell you, I'm right in the middle of reading a book by Mary Beth Chapman, and she talks about the grief that she experienced when her five-year-old daughter was hit by her 17-year-old son in the driveway, and her daughter didn't survive. And I thought it was interesting... um, with her grieving, how she uh, had her daughters sit down with a counselor and she had them pick out an animal, a stuffed animal that really expressed the way that they were feeling right now. And uh, one of them picked out this, like, almost like a a demonic looking animal. And uh, she said, this is, this is how I'm feeling. And they took it and they, yelled at it and screamed at it and all that anger was you know, thrown on this animal. And then they put it in a little box, like casket, and they buried it. Not that you have to bury those emotions, but they just said, this is what, what we're going to do with it. And now take – an animal that you feel you know now that you feel better uh let's get another animal and she um she picked out a princess crown and they talked about that and then this is how you can deal with your emotions so every time you're feeling that anger and you're, you're you know grieving to that degree we can take it and we can yell at it and we can tell it to go away but we can move on past that and the way that she wrote this in the book it was just such a beautiful scene to be able to even as an adult, to know, okay, here's some coping mechanisms that are here for you. And so for you to see this void and move forward uh, with providing these role models in the community, at what point did you realize, okay, this is turning into a movement here?
3: (laughs) Well, I think the movement found me (laughs) is a better way to put it because, um, I was just sort of going along and I decided to get involved with the TV show on TLC, just offering to uh, share, you know, my experience in life um, on a show called Shalom in the Home. And then when that aired, it was wildly popular and that ended up, uh, put, you know, putting me on Oprah's sofa where I was being interviewed. After that happened, I literally had what they call the Oprah effect, which was thousands of widows starting to reach out to me because... You know, I was seen as this this hero, um, and I didn't see it until they recognized it. But it was, you know, after hearing what a hero's journey, you know, looking at what how how much courage it takes, you kind of it's sort of undeniable that this experience was very much being your own everyday hero, making really great choices and, and being reflective and mastering those emotional um, kind of. The overload that you have constantly, all of those things, you know, it was just overwhelming. And so I was just, you know, a single a solo mom and an interior designer and, you know, lucky to get a shower that morning. And so I didn't see myself that way. And so mm. I made a promise to Ms. O- o- Ms. Winfrey and said, you know, someday I'll do something with this. And so when she went off the air is when I invited two Widows in my local community and just started mentoring them and offering the wisdom that I had, um, gained and, and learned from them. And then now that has grown into the last, um, yeah, so, you know, since 2011, that has grown to serving about 17,000 widows with on our social media sites and also real, um, face to face chapters. We have 11 of those and we have about 80 waiting. And so it's like I, I knew that what I needed could not have been an isolated experience. I knew that women needed to share their stories, but they needed to share it with also other women that were willing to encourage them with a lot of positivity and, and encourage reflectivity and, and, and to accept challenges and, um, and, and not to do that alone. And that is the biggest problem is we have so many of these ladies who are isolated uh, we, they're sort of the faceless and the invisible among us, but uh, I think Modern Widows Club is proving that this is something that's needed. We need to have this this club um, of women uh, in widowhood, which is a very legitimate life stage because mm. 70% of married women will become widowed. The average age is 59. I mean, it's pretty really? really young. Um, yeah. And it's, there's 14 million widows in, in in America, you know, and there's, $258 million worldwide. So uh, we've got a lot of wisdom bottled up in these women, and they need a place to give it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and, it, and it's a club that nobody ever wants to be a part of. That's right. Because That's to, right. Be a, to be a member, you don't want to have to go through, you know, what that what it entails. Right. Um, you know, I think it, it's interesting because whenever um, you have a situation where um, – you know, if you're going through something like, you know, horrific like cancer or an illness in the family or a death, it's interesting because I, I think a person on the outside that's not dealing with it, it feels uncomfortable. doesn't really know what you're supposed to say to a person. Like, okay, you've just experienced this. I don't know what's appropriate to say. And then a lot of times people don't say anything. And then then the person going through the trauma or the grief is like, well, they don't really care. But it's just they don't know what to say. And so how would you advise people that are going, you know, I have a friend that, you know, is going through something like this and I have not really known how to reach out and what do I say? What do I not say? Um, Can you advise a little bit on that, what you have
3: discovered
2: in this journey? Yeah,
3: I I can't, you know, I have to, I can't really take credit for what I'm about to share, but I am a big, um, uh, big grateful fan of Dr. Alan Wolfelt. And he started a center in Fort Collins, Colorado, called uh, the Center for Life and Loss Transition. And he created this thing called the 11 Tenets of Companioning, uh, companionship uh, philosophy. And you can just Google that. Um, And he talks about that this is not about fixing anything. This is not about knowing what the right thing is to do. But if you, if you read those 11 tenets, it's very much about being able to just hold space with someone. And that is a really hard thing to do because mm-hmm. we have to bring out our empathy skills. And we are, unfortunately, living in a country that is sort of in, empathy, in an empathy drought. Uh, people are very much, you know, self-focused. And so when you are sitting um, with a widow, you have to, you know, accept that. You can't fix uh, her woes. You can't. But what you can do is you can hold her hand. You can hug her when she cries. You can be kind to her. You can let her know you are there and and show up often. And some of those, sometimes, you know, women are very distrusting. Uh, That it's it's, it's unfortunately one of the byproducts of being thrown into a life that you didn't expect. Um, Now you don't expect anything else to go right, and so they. They are um, hesitant, first of all, to let new people in their life, but it's one of the things that's going to be one of the biggest blessings in their life. But they don't know that until it actually happens. So um, just being very kind, um, willing to sit and listen um, and just say, you know, admit, I have no idea what this is like for you, but I'm going to listen to every word that you have to share. Sometimes that's it.
4: Yeah, I
1: love that you um, are saying, admit that you don't have anything to share. And I know for me, that's my biggest thing is we want to relate, like you said, bringing out your empathy skills. Those are such great tips because I know in the past, uh, you know, my my mom was murdered. And um, when you're dealing with someone that's grieving, you can't help but share like a little bit of your story. And then you realize, okay, this person lost a child. that. You don't get it like losing a parent. Everybody loses a parent. And even though you're grieving, like you said, sometimes talking at all, is not the right thing to do. Or I've been with people who are grieving and someone will come up and start talking about when they lost their pet and you, slap them. you know, you want to go, I'm sorry, this doesn't even come close to you losing your pet, but they're just truly trying to be kind. But we do kind of weigh out our grief. And so, okay. someone comes along. I, I love what you said. You know, just admit I I can't even comprehend what you're going through right now. Rather than trying to connect on such a level that's going to make you, it almost hurts them more. You know
3: that they're like, right? You, well, you don't understand. And what it does is it actually put you in a very uncomfortable position. And what that does is it levels the ground. You mm-hmm. know. Because she's uncomfortable talking about it, and now you know a little bit about what she feels like being living uncomfortable constantly. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a really important part of empathy and showing compassion that you are willing to be just as confused and just as unknowing what to do as she is, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And these are such great tips and because and, and, it's like it, – so many things are unexpected. We don't have like necessarily a rule book for this. And everybody, like you said, everybody deals with grief differently and the timing. And we try to put, like you said earlier, we try to put a time frame on it. It's like, okay, now you should be past this. It's been this amount of time. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. People need their own, they're in their own journey. It's unique. And we can't put a time limit on, okay, ding, the bell's off. You should be fine now. and it, And it's like, Life doesn't happen that way, and we just need to be sensitive and aware for people. Well, we just have about a minute, Carolyn. Again, we just want to thank you for joining our show and, and for going to the rooftop in New York City and, and, so, and, and having this wonderful conversation with us. You have taught, taught us so much and, and so many listeners out there. How can women find you and learn more about this in, the, in, the, in just about 45 seconds?
3: Oh, God. Yeah, easy you know modern widows dot com we have a very busy uh, Facebook page um, we have membership like $25 a year and we have our chapters around the country so you can find all the information right there at modern dot com
2: perfect thank you so much for joining our show and our best to you and thank you for just impacting women and leading the way we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back with girlfriend at radio Thanks.
0: This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these.
2: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
4: When it comes to your health, it's important to stay on top of your numbers. You need to know what your cholesterol numbers are, along with your blood sugar and blood pressure. Another number that's vital to be aware of is your waist circumference. Abdominal fat not only looks bad, but more importantly, it is criminal because it may release excess fatty acids or hormones that encourage inflammation, which are dangerous to your arteries. The fatty acids can contribute to insulin problems and plaque buildup. Keeping excess body fat at a minimum is important, but it's essential to keep fat off of your belly. Measure your waist circumference and be sure it's below 35 inches. Be diligent to exercise daily and eat good, healthy, low-fat foods to keep all excess body fat at bay. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
1: us now is Melissa Huber, who leads and serves with other church planners' wives in the ministry of Bloom. And Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planner spouses so they can then go and provide the same to their families, staff, and churches. Bloom is under the umbrella of Stadia, which transforms lives and communities through church planting and plants churches that intentionally care for children, and they won't stop until every child has a church. Well, today we're talking with Melissa. Melissa is a mom of three. And she has two girls, seven and nine, and a very newly adopted two-year-old son that she just got from Congo in Africa, who's been home for only four weeks. She is a registered dietitian by profession and works part-time teaching and counseling individuals and families about healthy eating. Uh, She also loves all things fitness and helping athletes with their performance nutrition. So Melissa is a wife of a church planner and helped plant momentum christian church in georgia almost 10 years ago welcome melissa how are you hi i'm wonderful thank you
2: well i think i need to make an appointment with you (laughs) i would
1: would love that please do (laughs) so if you if you can just give us one tip on nutrition that we could do daily if we could just tweak our lives by one percent what would you suggest that we do Besides oh, well. drink water, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. I know, that's
5: pretty, pretty old-standing tip there. Let me try to be creative. Um, I have a lot of physical things that I could throw out there, but I really would first and foremost want to encourage you to, when you get out of bed in the morning and put two feet on the floor, you need to tell yourself that you can. Mm. So many women start the day already defeated, or if they just missed the mark by a little, they count themselves out for the day, and that's what I see and witness time and time again as I speak with women and talk with women, encourage women in that area of nutrition. We just feel like it's such a mountain, and it is, but it's one that we are capable of if we believe in ourselves. Yes, and encouragement is needed and support, um, but so many women cheat themselves by not believing early on as the day goes on. So that might sound a little cliche, but I would just encourage you to believe that you can. And following that to get a little bit more activity, it, it really is simple. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be an you know, hour of just grueling exercise. Just talking further out, increasing the amount of time you're on your feet um, in simple ways.
1: Okay. So first of all, you were saying that's just such a simple tip. And I have to tell you that my, my daughter's home from college and she was like, mom, I have got to get a grip on, you know, just mm-hmm. w- eating healthy. And so yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with isogenics, but we yeah. decided we were going to do this isogenics cleanse okay. and some protein drinks. So I oh, love yeah. cleanses. Well, I, I have to tell you, that's such a good tip because as soon as my feet hit the ground, I got to tell you, I was starving. And just like you said, it's the mental part to go, no, you can do this. Because I, I took the little beverage and I drank it. And I was consumed with all things edible, like yes. <laughs> consumed with it. And yes. here I was, I was going to be, you know, the big support group for my daughter. And I finally called her after um, two hours and I was like, I can't do it. Right. <laughs> You're on
4: your own, Every man
2: for themselves. I just literally <laughs> couldn't do it. Well, yes. I, I had to go back when you said, you know, really a simple, just move, just, you know, it doesn't have to be an hour a day. Right. Well, I, I so Patty and I are sitting here. She's Mrs. Fit, and I'm Mrs. You know, wanna be fit, not. Trying. And um, so anyway, a couple of years ago, I was just in that thing. I was like, I just, you know, it's a mental thing. I've got yes. to just start walking and and doing stuff. And and um, I remember Patty said to me, and so like, you know, that that was that's overwhelming to me to just even say go out and walk today. You know, yeah. so Patty mm-hmm. says to me. She goes, all you have to do is just get on the treadmill and go walk. Just do it an hour a day. <laughs> and I looked at her and said, you just shut me down. Because yeah, an I'm hour done. right now is overwhelming, and just an hour, I'm shut down. Now, if you right. would say 15 minutes or 20 minutes, that's doable, but just an hour. And, and to her perspective, you know, she was like exercising two to three hours a day. Right. So an hour, just <laughs> an hour, but she <laughs> shut me down. So we have, we yes. have a joke about just an hour a day and it's like so somebody that's just beginning that's a very overwhelming thought.
1: yes it is overwhelming waking up in the morning and before your feet touch the ground think you can is a really good tip Mm -hmm.
2: I I really like how you think I would really come and make an appointment with you yes Yes, uh, and I I, I could I could work with you
5: (laughs) good and I am practical as they come I am not somebody who's going to put together a crazy, you know, unreachable plan. And like you said, even with goals, even with, you know, let's say we start today, it has to be small, attainable goals. So I would say to somebody just starting out, if you can go out for 10 minutes, that's fantastic. And it's no less of it, of an achievement than someone who went out at an hour who's ready to go out for an hour. So we have to celebrate even the 10-minute mark, even the 15-minute mark. And I'm telling you, I'm I'm a pretty good cheerleader when it comes to my patients, my clients, and they probably think I'm crazy because I'm getting so excited about 15 minutes. But that's 15 minutes more than
1: last week. So okay, Melissa, well, celebration. You have no idea what you're doing over here. But Lisa's <laughs> doing the little, you know, and dance and all kinds of stuff as she's like eyeballing me, going see, see, see. So we're we're ready to go ahead and go on a commercial break. I think. <laughs>
5: I noticed the nutrition commercial breaks, too. It got my heart a little bit excited, I will say.
1: No, those that that really is a, a great tip. I, I remember one time I was um, in a, a group with my team and uh, we went around just saying, what was really motivating you today? Like what was getting you up and getting you so excited? And as we were going around, people were just like saying some really deep, meaningful things about what they had mm-hmm. done and how they felt productive. And I got to one of my friends and she said, Um, I was just excited that I got up this morning and I was able to take a shower and I Mm -hmm. knew what she was going through and I knew some of the things she was experiencing in life. So I, I really Mm -hmm. Googled about her and was like, that, that is awesome. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. for you. And then afterwards, my other friend who had done like, you know, Climbed Mount Everest. Like, Seriously,
3: you go on and on
1: because she got out of bed and took a shower, <laughs> and then you're propelling this whole ministry forward. And uh, but it, but it is for some, it's literally just thinking, I can do this. So yeah, yeah. that's such a great
2: tip. So how did yeah. you get? How did this become such a, a significant part of your life? Where you're like, I just want to encourage others in this area of life.
5: Yeah, well, I actually started studying nutrition back in college, and I sort of stumbled onto it, honestly. I started to love my classes, and the more and more I studied, the more and more I loved it. I was so intrigued about how the human body works and this idea of metabolism and how it uses nutrients, and it just has fascinated me, honestly, still to this day. I still study like a nerd when it comes to nutrition and how the body responds to that. And so, as I graduated school and went into my internship and started working with patients in the hospitals, I began to see how important nutrition is on life, especially in when someone is ill or sick. But even more so, I began to realize that so many people just don't know what to do. They know that they want to be healthy, but they don't know how to do it because, like we've already established, it's extremely overwhelming and can feel like Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. And I went into outpatient counseling back when my first daughter was born about nine years ago, and when I could sit with patients, whether it was a young child in a family or an individual who's just been diagnosed with, whether it's heart disease or diabetes, and I could sit with them for an hour, and we could really dive into, okay, what does your situation look like? Because we all do have unique situations, from work schedules to family, and everything that's on our plate, and I could really get to the root of what was going on and help use that to expose whatever emotional connection, whatever emotional baggage might be there in relation to food. And I will be the first to tell you after talking to patient after patient, the emotional side of food is so real and so heavy. And so I began to see people's eyes light up with hope. Honestly, by the end of an hour, hour and a half, they began to see that, Oh, all right, I can change my perspective a little bit. It doesn't have to be, like like we established earlier, this very difficult thing every day. I can do chunks, bites, pieces, however you want to think about it. And each day I can achieve an accomplishment, be proud of it, celebrate it, and then use that to motivate me for tomorrow, to strive just one step further. And as I saw people just, like I said, face light up and get excited and motivated and leave ready to just conquer the world, it just fueled me to see the next patient and even in our home gym here just watching the women walk through the door and being very you know a little nervous about whether you know a barbell is involved and we think that's for men and I I don't really know about strength I don't want to be big and bulky and I began to even see my own personal life as I got more comfortable around a barbell and weights and actually being pushed and letting somebody else push me they believed I could even though I didn't think I could, and all of a sudden I did it. And so I just continued to use that whole change the environment idea even around the women at the gym. And I've seen them begin to believe in their self. And now when I walk in, I watch them encourage new women in the gym, and it has truly changed the atmosphere. Mm. And I see so much more self-esteem, so much more. Women feeling like, I don't have to be afraid to walk in here. I am proud of myself for walking in the door. I mean, bottom line, the fact that I'm here is my victory. And whatever else happens in here is bonus. And then we always go on to prove that we can do far more than we thought we could. With that, that encouragement. You know
3: what?
2: So. It, it really does go back to that community. creating That community, like you said, you mm-hmm. can stand back at some point and watch them encourage each other.
4: Yeah. And, and that wonderful.
2: really, it's the, that's the sustaining piece about that, you know, right. is, is yeah. just creating that environment and changing it up. And it is such a mental thing and, yes. and just our health and our men and, you know, food, like you said, it's so emotional and it, yes. there's so, and, and I think it's recognizing the trigger points that you have and right. what does that look like and what was triggering this? And, and, and I am stronger than this. I can say right. no. Um, right and, and, and why I want to say no is because I, I really do want to be healthy. It's not about being skinny. It really is. being right. healthy. And I think exactly. that's, you know, we are so bombarded in our culture with being skinny and yes. having a certain image and look, but it's like, you know, just be healthy and be the best right. you you can be. And I know that when I'm in good physical shape, it just changes everything else mentally. Exactly. And, 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 and we're more energized. Well, Melissa, we're going to have to take a quick break here and we're going to come back and we're going to keep talking cuz there's so many different facets of your life that are that are interesting and that we need to hear and learn from. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on Girlfriend at Radio.
4: Ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self love and less self loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room. A place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we are back with Melissa Hoover, who leads and serves with other church planners' wives in the ministry of Bloom. And Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planners' spouses So they can provide the same to their families, staffs, and churches. And Melissa is a registered dietitian by profession and works part-time teaching and counseling individuals and families about healthy eating. She is also the wife of a church planner and helped plant Momentum Christian Church in Georgia almost 10 years ago. Well, Melissa, we have been talking about all things uh in, in hopefully being healthy, but we mm-hmm. want to talk to you about, you have a brand new two-year-old son from DR Congo that you uh, just recently has have brought him to your home uh, four weeks ago. So yes. tell us a little bit about that. And I'm assuming uh, since he's two years old, there was quite a bit of a wait to finally get him into your home.
5: Yes, absolutely. We um, actually started the adoption process about five years ago now and it was one of those things that my husband and I just felt this is just something we are very open to if, if Lord willing you know provides an opportunity for us to walk this road and after our second daughter it really just was heavy on our hearts and we just made the decision and commitment to move forward and so we began the adoption process knew that we would um like to go the international adoption route. And there begins our journey with Congo. We chose Congo. It was a pilot adoption program. <laughs> we thought, well, we've, you know, helped start a church from the ground up. This is a pilot program, which means there's nothing certain about it. It's kind of our feet. <laughs> and so we began this journey thinking it might be about a 12-month process. Well, it was it served to be very, very difficult. Um, a couple of different challenges along the way. Mainly, the country itself shut down all of the exits for adopted children back in September of 2013, which just happened to be the very month we were matched with our little guy. Mm. So he, uh, we accepted that referral, and by the end of the month, they said. By the way, nobody's leaving the country. And we thought, well, we still have to go through court, and there's a a really long orphan investigation. Well, by the time all that's done, surely, surely. Well, anyone who knows anything about adoption, it's very uncertain, and most things will go a little bit awry at times. And so we began a wait um, that at that point we didn't realize would lead us two and a half years later down the road. We could have traveled to pick him up. He was completely ready to be picked up in terms of court papers and everything back in June of 2014. And so from that point until just last month, we sat waiting with a lot of silence and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of ups and downs. I will, I will put it lightly. Um, so at the, after the turn of the year, we really thought, okay, here comes another year. What's this year gonna have for us? We had learned a lot about waiting In the process, I was clinging to a lot of different verses, one in particular being Psalm 27, towards the end of Psalm 27. And I just knew throughout this entire journey that we weren't called here for nothing to just hang tight and just let God build our trust. Um, It's one of those things where you feel like you do trust God until you're asked to trust God. And you realize, okay, I need help in trusting God. (laughs) So we just had a lot of family support, a lot of prayer support throughout the wait and after the turn of the year, my mom actually said to us, when you're home for Christmas, we've done our praying. We've done, We've been on our knees, and we've asked the Lord um, all of these things on behalf of Elijah. And um, I just feel like, you know, we need to change the, the atmosphere here. We need to make sure we're praising as much as we're praying. And that was something that struck me mm-hmm. as interesting and very profound. And bless her heart, she rallied friends of hers together. These are friends from Oklahoma. Our whole family got together, and we spent an afternoon, and we just got together in the sanctuary of their church, and we brought in kids, we brought in musical instruments, they turned on music, and we just praised. We praised God for who he is and for who he was and what he was doing for Elijah as we wait, and I'm telling you, it was one of the most profound kind of moments for us, and I said, my word for this year is praise for for 2016, and I'm going to praise him, even if it's not the year of Elijah's homecoming, I'm still going to praise him. Mm. And a month later, we started to get emails from our attorney that the commission, who was apparently meeting together to approve these cases and get these children home, was back together. This is a commission who started to form last summer, but then completely fell apart right after they formed and for whatever reason, which I know has to be answered prayers, the only reason, the only answer, um, and they began to approve cases, and our attorney contacted us, contacted us and said, your son is on the first list, prepare your documents, prepare to travel, this is going to happen. And we were in complete shock. So it went from stalled out waiting for a really long time to it's go time, let's go now.
1: <laughs> so, wow.
5: Yeah, so that, we that actually worked with – Yeah, it was. We worked with an escort who ended up escorting him here. We did not travel there as originally planned. Um, Our escort was part of our attorney's office, and they could actually get his exit permit, get him out of the country, which was our big hurdle, and get him here sooner than we could go there. So we said, let's do it. And he met us in the Atlanta airport back on March 16th after being stuck in customs for three hours, and it was one of those moments. Obviously, I'll I'll never forget. But a very sweet and tender, just my husband and I, and him, wow. and that was all. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's yeah. one of those surreal moments. Like you anticipate, you pray, like you said, so oh. diligently for, and then when it happens, it's like I don't even know how I'm supposed to feel in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, but Most this times moment, we're Well, this moment's going to change the rest of our lives and this little yeah. boy's life. You yeah. know, Oh, how yeah. sweet is I, that?
5: Yeah, I pinched myself. He's upstairs this very moment, and I just – I could still pinch myself. But he's under the same roof as we are. It's, yeah. It's very surreal. Yes.
1: So how are your children? How is everybody getting along with each other?
5: Yeah, I will tell you, I think we are experiencing the answered prayers of two and a half years now because they are doing wonderfully. He has adjusted so beautifully – Every adoption case has its own challenges and struggles that are normal and real. And he's just defying all of those. And I keep waiting for the hard parts. I keep waiting for the the challenges I hear about that are normal. And he's just not having them. He's just a happy, um, hilarious little boy and his sisters just adore him and they, they still are fighting over who sits by him. And it's my turn in the car next to him. And I want to bring him this and Mm -hmm. I'm just letting them do that, (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. letting
5: them stumble all over him. And, uh, we are just, yeah, we're, we're really adjusting. Well, to being, you know, five of us and three kids and learning all that balance. Um, it's, it's been a really great four weeks. It really has been.
1: The, the blessing, um, that I would see is that I didn't have to go through all of the infant stage. (laughs)
5: Yes. True. So true. It's like he can take the stairs very steadily. It's fine. I don't have to do baby gates. I don't have to do, you know, plugs into outlets. He, for whatever reason, looks at me. Oh, this has been a funny thing. This has been our biggest challenge. He speaks French, complete French. Wow. That has been interesting because we, I don't speak French and I didn't really learn French along the two years of waiting. Like I probably should have. So we act out a lot of things, <laughs> and he's taught us a few words that are very important, and we did learn a few important words, but a lot of our, our daytime is acting things out. And so we it really helped with bonding. Um, he was in the hospital the first four days of being home because he brought home a nasty parasite, mm-hmm. and poor little thing was just sicker than sick. So we had to get him healthy before we could bring him into our home. And in the hospital, he and I would just sit there for hours on his bed and just learn to communicate. Mm. We had nothing else to do but learn how to do it, and it just—it really did help forge our bond. And now my daughters respond to me in French. It's hilarious; (laughs) they'll say "merci beaucoup, mama." And so it's hilarious. They're actually enjoying learning to communicate with him as well.
1: I love that. Now, of course, you're probably thinking, "I need to keep up his French because what a great language." I know. I have that pressure of a lot of people asking that too, and I'm like, that means I
5: need to learn it, so I should probably get on that. Um, but we have a lot of contacts who have contacted us saying, "Hey, I know someone who speaks fluent French. I know this person." And what I'll probably do is rely on on those people. Um, and it's funny how God brings them into your life at the right moment. We took him for his first haircut at a barber shop across the road from our neighborhood. Walk in there. Not only is the barber A neighbor of ours who lives on our street who we hadn't had an opportunity of meeting yet, but he also speaks French. Wow. Insane. So he's offered to just meet us in the street, you know, on the sidewalk and talk to him and try to help help keep it up. So I think that's the way we'll approach keeping it up.
2: Yeah, it's neat. I I like what you said earlier when you said, you know, we're seeing kind of the fruits of two and a half Mm -hmm. years of prayer. And it's yes. like, you know, so many times we can look at it. It's, it's perspective. You look at it going, God's not doing anything. You know, there's right. silence. There's all these challenges. Right. It's like our longings to have this little boy and we're separated. Right. And what do you do? And, um, you know, it just, it's a great reminder to just continue to be faithful in prayer and the praise. I love what your mom said. Yeah. And that oh. you guys had that praise time because God is still working, even though we don't see it. Mm-hmm. And like now you really are. You're seeing the results of these faithful prayers and people yeah. all over the place praying and, and allowing people to come into your story and pray, um, if, you know, with you for this little boy that's been so prayed up and yeah. prayed over. And, you know, even the details, it's so fun how God, like you said, your barber, even to those little yeah. things where it's like, he lives in my neighborhood. So what a great connection for you to even meet right. your neighbor. And that he's, I mean, how odd is that, that he speaks so I mean, that is, that is like little sweet kisses from God to go, I've got this little boy. I've got you guys covered in this journey. So it's, it's, it's really, really sweet to, uh, just to to see how God works and all the little details.
0: So, well, we just
2: have like a minute and and it's um, before we, we say goodbye. And just, Melissa, thank you so much for joining, sharing your journey, your heart, and encouraging us in our health. Mm-hmm. And to I know that it. when our feet hit the ground in the morning, we can. <laughs> yeah. And that is such a great reminder. And that's such a great reminder just on life. You know, it's like yeah. we can. You know, even the difficulties and the journeys and the challenges, it's like, you know, we can because of God. And right. and just that's a great reminder. And a great reminder to continue to praise you know, even yes. when you don't see any movement exactly. or see what's happening. So thank you for sharing um, just your life and, and, you know, being a part of the ministry of Bloom, it's just, you know, that you have that community around you yes. of other church planters, wives, and, um, and what you guys do collectively and how you touch so many other women, just from you guys living authentically you and sharing your journeys with each other. So again, oh, just so enjoyed our conversation today. And Pat thank Smith, you. She's he, he's wanting to say something, I know, but we don't have time. <laughs> so again, we just want to thank our listeners for joining our show. You've been listening to Girlfriend at Radio. We're going to have more information on our website and on our Facebook. Have a great day.